look, I'm very privileged. I've always been in a very privileged position and, and I feel that now. And yes, I'm doing some beautiful work with Estee Lauder and, and, and I think if I can actually say, look, I'm about to turn 58, I look like this, I don't ever want to have a facelift. I'm not interested. It's all about preserving what you've got and being the best that you can be. So whether that's talking about skincare and beautiful skincare products or whether it's about looking after yourself and doing Pilates or whether it's about emotionally looking after yourself through meditation or just living with true purpose mm. is um, and mindful purpose is a really beautiful way to live. I'm Alison Rice. And welcome to another special Self-Care Sundays episode brought to you by Studio Offline and Estee Lauder. I sit down with some of the brand's inspiring ambassadors to have an honest conversation about life on the other side of the filter and their relationship with self-care, sleep and skincare. If you already adore following women like Nadia Fairfax, Eleanor Pendleton and Deb Hutton, Estee Lauder and I hope you enjoy getting to know them on a deeper level. As always, these are raw, imperfect conversations, grounded in reality. You can find more episodes at offlinethepodcast.com or by subscribing wherever you like to listen. And if you fancy seeing behind the scenes, because let's be honest, who doesn't? Follow Offline the Podcast on Instagram. My next guest has one of Australia's most recognisable faces. If you saw her in the street, she might feel a bit like home. Deb Hutton is many things. A TV host and media personality, an author and entrepreneur, and a passionate ambassador for brands and causes close to her heart. Estee Lauder being one, and also the Sydney Swans, Starlight Children's Foundation, and Skin Cancer Foundation, Inc., But what you might not know about Deb is she started life as Debbie Haylock. This Self-Care Sundays episode is truly a journey through Deb's life, the experiences she's had, and how each one has influenced what she now knows to be true. Moving out of home at 16 and modelling in New York by 18, punctuality and professionalism, her relationship with her skin following years in the sun, her tried and tested routines, meditation and life as an energetic exchange, her advice on surviving loss. It's all here and I hope, like me, you feel joy listening to and learning from Deb. Here she is for this special Self-Care Sundays episode in partnership with Estee Lauder. I... I'm very excited to talk to you because as, um, what am I now, a 34-year-old woman who's worked in media for the last 12 years or so, I feel like I know a lot about you, but I've never met you. And I've heard a lot about you, but I've never met you. So I will share. It's a bit surreal, actually. And I had a bit of a moment where I was like, um... I'm interviewing Deb Hutton. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I want to say thank you for taking the time. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I don't do many podcasts. Um, I've only done a couple. So it's always nice to sit down and chat to someone who's, um, you know, sharing some lovely information with people. So it's good to be here. Cool. Um, and the rooms 
nice. We've got some warm lighting. Yes, yes. I'm not a big fan of anything that's overlit. Um, It's one of my bugbears is lighting. I always think I was, I should have actually, if I don't do what I do, I could probably get a job as a lighting engineer. (laughs) 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 I'm one of those people that if you walk into a restaurant and they'll say, would you like to sit at this table and it's got an an overhead, I'll go, "Uh, no, I won't. I'll I'll either, you know, have you got somewhere that's sort of away from the light? I I want the candlelit corner. Well, you know, it's funny. It's why I've spent my life in front of... um, in front of, you know, lights and bright lights and sunlight and, and it's been 40 plus years. So I've got actually quite sensitive eyes. Mm. Yeah, from flashes and just, I you know, I mean, I remember um, shooting a Channel 9 um, program years ago in Los Angeles and I was standing on Sunset Boulevard and the light was so overhead that the the lighting, the camera guy got a mirror and and basically reflected the sun in my face. So I'll never forget it. It was one of those moments I think I was just burning my retinas. But wow. And it was uh, to try and obviously get rid of the shadow. So the more light you pump in, you know, the, the better you, you know, look. look. And um, we'll just sacrifice your eyes. And yeah, and I just remember it going, wow, this is the brightest. And they said, are you okay with that? And I went, yeah, I can take all of that. So the weird, weird thing is I think all those years of saying, yes, I'm – it's no problem. Now I have, I have a, I'm quite sensitive to light and, and particularly sort of night, any sort of night light. So mm. I have a house full of um, lamps Me and, too. and candles. <laughs> and when I come home, I, I really set the mood at home and yeah. I put my, yeah. I shut the blinds, I put the lamps on, I put the candles on yeah. and my husband's like, oh, she's in the cave. I'm like, yeah. it's safe here. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. It just, I find it restful and peaceful and, yes. and I get really, yeah, it's funny. I just, when I go to places where it's really bright light, I'm, I'm always sneaking around and turning off lights. So I'll say to someone, have you got a dimmer switch? It's yes. really, it's kind of a thing of mine. It's, that's what it's come to after all these years. And, and I guess we're sort of experiencing also just the whole blue light crisis at the moment as well in that mm. we're all facing the screens all the time. Yeah. I was exploring last night. There's um, a setting on iPhones and Androids that is, of course, for people who are colour challenged or colour blind. You can actually set your entire phone to almost like a red. Really? Yeah. And they say to make it red when you get home, so before you go to bed. And I did it last night and I have to tell you, I started to get really sleepy Oh, <laughs> when I was looking at my phone and I'll it's supposed to, to do it. that so it sort of like increases the yeah. melatonin, I think. Yeah. But I'll show you the settings. It's quite difficult to do but you can create a shortcut so you can like yeah. double tap the side and it will bring up. Right, the, interesting. Because it, t- it turns to black screen anyway at a certain point in the afternoon for me. Yes. So it's black. It's reverse, reverse what you get during yeah. the day. So I've got that that happens yes. anyway. Um, and it's interesting. I know we're going to talk a bit about sort of skincare as well, but mm. like the impact that blue light is having on our skin as well that we're not really paying attention to now. I feel like we're the guinea pigs mm. and in 20 years' time yeah. – Scientists are going to be going, I can't believe they were all staring at these mm. blue-lit screens, yeah. damaging their eyes and yeah, well, they, premature aging. Well, the guinea pigs of just um, of mobile phones. Yeah. I mean, there's not many people that will actually, well, you still see it, but even holding a phone to your ear. Uh, you know, we grew up like that. Well, you mm. know, how long has the mobile phone been around? I mean, it's actually not that long. So, yeah, I, I won't speak. I'll always either have it on speaker or I'll have <clears throat> I'll have earplugs in, but I will not put that phone to my head anymore. Yeah, you know? it's so. interesting. So that's that whole world of, well, not world, but EMFs. Mm. 
and they're saying that the, what do they call the pods? Yeah. I don't have them. They're the too expensive. Ear, I was like, I don't, I don't ear, think I could spend. pods or whatever they the are. The pods yeah. that they're worse for you because they're Bluetooth. Really? But actually the cord is better because, right, because the, um, the electromagnetic oh, right. field is traveling through the cord before it gets to you. Whereas those are just direct to the system. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually, I've got an episode coming up. I think it'll run after yours um, with an Ayurvedic practitioner mm. and he has a lot of views on EMFs. Interesting. And how, okay. Yeah, we should walk around with our phones on airplane mode. So we're not getting those, mm. whatever it is, currents yeah. all the time. Oh <laughs> but you can get a bit fundamentalist about it. So, <laughs> um, but let's rewind. Yeah. Um, I read that you moved a lot as a young girl, mm. um, which is an interesting thing because I wondered if, yeah, tell us about your upbringing. But what I'm interested in is when you reflect, like, do you think having multiple homes for a period of time has shaped you in some way? Yeah. Yeah. It, it sort of homes multiple locations, really. I mean, uh, my father was a flight engineer for, for Qantas um, back in the 60s and uh, my family, so mum and dad, were um, transferred over to uh, to England as part of the Qantas kangaroo route, establishing that back when they used to fly the Constellation. Um, it used to take five days to get to London. Wow. Yeah, so I was born in England um, yeah, that's you know, 1961. So, but I was only really there for about six months before um, it was time to sort of come home. So my brother was born there. And they'd there for a couple of years. So I was literally, I was so literally dropped off in transit. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not British, and and you know I have a, a useless passport that I've never really made any use of. But and both mum and dad are, are sort of Australian as they get. So, but we came back to Sydney. Um, and then they divorced and my mother is, she's a big, she's a Queenslander. So I then moved up to, um, to live in Brisbane and I sort of did a lot of growing up, went to school in Brizzy and all that. And then, um, she got remarried in Port Moresby. So we ended up living in New Guinea for three years and moving around a couple of places with New Guinea and Garoka. And uh, that was pretty tough. That was in the sixties and I'll never forget one of my best memory was 1969 was the lunar landing and they didn't have television up there they had one radio station and they erected this huge um screen in the middle of the town square and they projected the uh the moon landing and wow. everyone was looking at it going no one made any sense of it you know never seen moving pictures before let alone what was this thing and where the hell was it um so then from New Guinea, then we moved to a place that's sadly just running out of water and about to cop the fires, the Great Granite Belt, which is Stanthorpe. Uh, so it's down, it's on the New England Highway down near the border of Queensland and New South Wales. So we were living on a 600 acre of stone fruit and grape orchard wow. for a number of years there. So a real country experience, went to a two-teacher school. Um, and then from there, it was back to Brisbane. Um, and then finally moved down to Sydney when I was, I think, 11. So that was quite a bit of moving around to that point. Um, I think, you know, and in that was obviously different schools. Um, I think that what that gave me, cause I was always the new kid. Mm. Um, I was always the new kid and I never sort of, you know, had a lot of friendships that lasted that long because I was always, we were all moving, packing yeah. up the tea chests and moving. 
But I think when I look at that period of my life, it's given me the ability to just talk to people and put my hand up and say, first one to say, G'day, I'm Deb, and um, and just throw myself out there. And it's it's definitely something that I think has really worked for me. I'm you know I'm not a shy person, and and I think because I was always exposing myself in a way that I was the new kid. And that's actually a tough thing to do, yeah. being the new kid at a new school, you know, and it was, and that happened often. So, um, you know, and kids can be really tough on each other, you know. So so I think it's um, it's given me that ability, which I think is, um, you know, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Mm. Um, not to draw comparisons, but I read, I hope I've got this right, you left home at 16 yeah. and I did as well actually for the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was out for a, a year or two and then back and yeah. then out and then out for good. Yeah. Um, I reflect back on that time in my life and I'm like, gosh, you were young. <laughs> and like, how, how did you do that? And <laughs> was that even safe, Alison? And, yeah. and so I wondered what comes up for you when I talk about leaving home at 16. Like, oh, does that feel young to you now? Well, you know, not that I have children, but if I had a 16-year-old daughter, I'd be I like, would no. completely freak out that she, you know, not only decided, as in my case, to leave school at 16 because, you know, because you could, because I knew that um, I was in charge of my own life at that point. But but if I had a daughter that was leaving home and leaving school, I'd have a complete meltdown. Yeah. But at the time, um, you know, you think you've, got your shit together and you go, you know, I, I can do this. And I tried to leave early. I tried to leave when I was 15. Wow. And mum threatened to um, to get me locked up. She <laughs> she did. She said, oh, there's going to be a van coming along and a man in a white jacket. They're going to cart you off. I'm like, okay, maybe I better wait One more my year. 16th birthday. <laughs> but it was, it's really funny because... You know, I was very responsible as a kid because mum was very much, you know, two failed marriages and I was, you know, it was usually just her and I. So it's not like I had a sort of family environment and my brothers live with my father and which was unfortunately the outcome of, you know, the family law in the 60s is they split the family up. The boys would go and live with the father and the girl, you know, if you're a girl, you live with your mother. So I didn't grow up with my brothers. So so it's just mum and I. And so the dynamics of that were pretty tough, I think, but I was such a good girl. I had to be a good girl because I just knew, you know, she's a working mum and, and, and I felt that I really needed to behave. So I think I had this thing. Which is quite aware at that age to know, quite self-aware at that age yeah, to know that. Yeah, I was a, you know, yeah, I was a... I was pretty good. And maybe it was just me breaking away from that because um, I was always going to be a primary school teacher ever since oh, I was really? old enough to remember going to um, kindergarten all that. I just loved, you know, the teachers, the way they stood up there and they could write on the blackboard and they could just, you know, share their knowledge and all that. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be a primary school teacher. And then, so, you know, when I'm you know, here am I, 16, I, I didn't even finish the HSC. I, was, I left halfway through fifth fifth form, so I don't know what grade that is now. But I just, I'd met somebody and I just wanted, there was a bigger life out there and I just couldn't wait to get stuck into it. Mm. And um, it was a pretty brave decision, but it sort of, I didn't look at it like that. I was like, no, I just, 
you know, and I've always been like that. If I make up my mind about something, I just go there. And do it. Uh, yeah, and sort of think, you know, maybe whatever the consequences are, I, I, I sort of go, okay, that's all just part of learning and mm. part of life. So And I'll navigate through. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Like a lot of successful people um, share stories very similar to yours and haven't been to university. Mm. Um, I thought this might be a nice um, opportunity for you to maybe – speak to the young women listening who are feeling that pressure around knowing, like I keep any sort of like mentoring I'm doing or coaching, I'm really challenging them on the, um, who says we need to know what we're going to do at 18. Like the fact you have to pick a degree There's no way. and get yourself into debt likely yeah. for this thing that you might not even know you're yeah. good at or you want to Look, I've, I've always said I, I think you're incredibly fortunate if you have a passion that's within you, if you're young. Uh, you know, Nicole Kidman always wanted to act. That was her thing. She knew she wanted to act. So how brilliant and how wonderful and, and how fortunate she is that, that that was her driving force. There's a lot of people out there that don't have a driving force. And, you know, you're sort of nearing the end of high school and you're going, well, what am I going to do? And the pressure's there and you've got to sort of, you know, now we're going through HSC at the moment and, and you go, wow, the pressure under those poor kids. And, and a lot of them have no idea. So then, you know, the parents, obviously, if they can afford it, great, send you off to university. But I think it's really, really hard to know what that is. And the thing is, there's the way the world's changed now, we don't even know what this world looks like. The jobs haven't even been created for what so they're true. doing in 10 years' time. So I think, you know, I've learned a very different way of living because I didn't learn through through the proper educational channels. I learned through living. I went through life. Through yeah. life. You know, I you know, I, I moved to New York at eighteen and yes. set up shop there and rented an apartment and kind of <laughs> it's wild. You know, and yeah. so I, you know, I don't have uh, an academic background, but I I have great life experience and I think, you know, nature will provide you with pathways to to what your, to whatever it is that, that you'll find a passion for or, mm. or you will, you know, you'll, you will guide yourself to things that actually make you, um, that, that make you froth, you know, that make yeah. you happy and, and, and that will come naturally if you just allow it. Sometimes I think if you put too much pressure on yourself, it's a bit like there's too much noise and, and you'll, and you won't see the path. Mm. And I do think that there's a lot of expectation too much expectation on young kids to to decide what they need to do and, you know, yes. to throw everything into it. Um, and I think sometimes, I think gap years are fantastic. Me too. So sure, go and, you know, do do great at your HSC. But if you don't, if you don't and you don't get the marks that you're hoping for, seriously, mm. it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. It just isn't. It's just not. It's not because there's other opportunities. Life presents itself mm. with so many opportunities that are unforeseen. Mm. And they come from every different direction. Well, I guess and, that's the thing is it's like the fallacy of control. It's like get out of the way. Yeah, and yeah. just allow the flow and, mm. it, and it does. I think you can put some intent behind it. That's brilliant. Um, but, I, but I do think that putting too much pressure and being so specific about the outcome can be a bit of a hindrance to mm. allowing your natural self to sort of come out of it. Agree. Yeah. Um, I was one of those people I – my parents had – um, split up two weeks before my HSC. Ooh. And it's interesting. I spoke, speak to my mum about it now and she's like, I had no idea. Mm. 
And that's fascinating for me as an adult woman now to go, oh, wow, like you're, you were in a divorce and you had four kids. Yeah. And I don't think you were wondering at that point what was going on necessarily for them. Yeah. And because I was so sensible and capable, I just sort of made it out that I sort of had it and I'd go to school yeah. and that was that. But I flunked it. Yeah. Badly. Yeah, and right. couldn't go to uni and so did just what you recommend yeah, and took yeah, off. Yeah. You know, and I think I went mature age, which is hilarious because it was like mature age was like 21 <laughs> into uni. But then getting there and being only two years older than everyone else, but the life experience I'd had when I was in Europe was, yeah. I mean, fuck. Like, and, you know, but it's the people you meet. Yeah. Right? Life, the greatest journey in, in, through life is always about the energies that that you that you surround yourself with the people um, that come into your life for for reasons for different reasons and so that sort of takes its own path and mm. and I think about that now and I'm so fortunate because I've got amazing people in my life and the opportunities that come through them and you know if, if old word of sort of networking which is sort of applicable but not really but but it's definitely a part of that, and it's connections. It's all about it connections. It's not. It's not about sitting there and. I mean, half the stuff they teach you in school, you're never going to use. No, totally. Whereas life skills, um, talking to people, social skills, just having you know common knowledge, um, which is very uncommon, but uh, but <laughs> having a deeper perspective on life is is a greater gift than mm. I think. Um, the textbooks. Yeah. Yeah, having yeah. something to say. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about meditation, but my teacher um, once said that in terms of relating and relationships, we, um, you know, nature brings us the people whose wounds intersect with our own mm. because there are opportunities for lessons and, and healing. Yeah. Because we often trigger each other's wounds and yeah. then that allows us to go and explore them. And I've been sitting with that a bit as I look in my life and mm. go, oh, this is interesting from friendships to marriage to family. You know, it, you know, I, I believe it, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's true, but I love that, that life, what you were saying, that life is really about connections and connecting and that exchange of energy. Yeah, absolutely. Between people. And yeah. people come into your life at a certain point that, you wouldn't have had a relationship with him uh, had it been 10 years earlier. It just, you know. Yeah. So it all sort of, I thought, they all happen when they're supposed to. Yes. You know, but I mean, you talk about healing wounds. I also think that there's people that come into your life, you know, they call unity points because you just have, um, you have this synchronicity with people and uh, and the more sort of unity points you have, the deeper uh, connection that you that you'll experience with that person or people, and um, I think there's, I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm. But yeah, you know, like when we meet someone and we feel like you know them deeply, yeah, like that when you yeah. just met, but you're like, oh, yeah. This feels like forever. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a past life believer. Me too. So, um, yeah, I, I do, th you know, there are people that I have met that I go, <clears throat> I think we've been here before. Yeah. You know, I get a strong sense of that. And what are we going to do differently? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's happening because we didn't do it right the first so time. It's still relevant. You know, oh. so, which is interesting, but uh yeah, I mean, it's really important friendships. I think because I've had such a disjointed sort of upbringing and my family is, you know, I mean, I don't have much family. You know, I've lost two brothers. I, you know, I, you know, I left 
home really young and um, there's basically my mother and my brother left two beautiful little boys so I have two nephews. Um, That's the immediate family I have so it's tiny. So my friends have always been, uh, to me, friendship is is family. So I I put a lot of, I'm not going to say effort because it doesn't take effort, but I put a lot of work and energy into really uh, maintaining the very important friendships in my life. Mm. And um, because I, I, I need that around me. I, I really do. I'm, yes, I'm a social person, but I just need, I need to know that there's people that I love that are around me and having their energy and that support has been incredibly important to me. Mm. Um, One of the questions I had for you actually was your female friendships and what do, what do those women mean to you in your life? Yeah. And yeah, how do you show up for each other? And I asked that question because sometimes, and it's interesting, I have a lot of conversations in DM with my listeners and mm. that's part of the favourite part of my day is going in there and just having those sort of deeper discussions. And a theme that comes up is um, female friendships and mm. how difficult they can be as we grow and evolve sometimes apart. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what do your... What do your sisters kind of mean to you? It's funny. They're all very, very different, Mm. really different. And people think because of, you know, I have some sort of a profile that surround myself with people who also have high profile. I don't. My my dearest friends of, um, you know, uh, you wouldn't know them from a bar of soap, but they – you know, I have one girl, Jen, who who worked for me for years and she just became – then she stopped working for me and she just became like a sister and, you know, she'll – I know she's there and I talk to her and I just um, – she moved out of Sydney and I miss her desperately. And um, and then I've had other friendships that have come in very late in life, uh, you know, one that's um, – she's much older. I have two friendships uh, that have meant the world to me and they're both in their 70s, so they're mm. quite a bit older than me. And um, – like I said, all these, they do all these different things, but the thing we have in common is we all laugh. You know, I think joy is what friendship should be about. So laughter and support and sort of knowing that we're there for each other. But it is, um, you know, they've through the tough times and, and also through the happy times, I, I, I love to laugh. I, mm. I just, if I didn't laugh in life, like I was born with a smile on my face, I'm sure of it, <laughs> you know, and and my friends, you know, that's what we reflect in each other, you know, mm. and, and so it also, it's interesting, but the ones who then potentially have dropped off and I, and because you're sort of feeling different energies and where they're moving in their life, they'll, you know, some of them have peeled away and that's okay mm. um, because we all change and evolve. But the ones that are closest to me, um, yeah, they're like sisters. And it's funny because we talk about sisterhood mm-hmm. and women are, can be very critical of each other, which I've it's sort of a bugbear of mine. I don't know why. Your closest friends know, but there's a sort of a, a circle out there that I think we're really hard on each other. We very, can be very critical and I see it and I don't understand it because when I look at men, men have a mateship yeah. where they support each other and they're not in competition generally when you look at sort of friendships. But women have this thing and I, I don't know it's where it comes from. Yeah. It really annoys me and yeah. I just wish we had a stronger sisterhood where we could just support each other. Well, and I talk about this a lot as well, like women supporting women, but like 
do you mean it? And let and show Genuinely. me how. And, Genuinely. And, because, and that's that thing. It's like don't just go to the brunch on International Women's Day. No. Or, and the same for businesses and organisations. That's my thing as well. It's like um, International Women's Day is a day, but what it means to support women every single day. Yeah. That's very silent, dedicated yeah. work. Yeah. You know, I so resonate with that. Like I, I guess I look at it and I just wonder like, is it just the unhealed? Like is it the people who are just incomplete like projecting and there will because often it's when you become successful that um or you mm. get the things that perhaps you're perceived to have it all and then you get teared down it's just an unconsciousness they're just living in a in a, a world that um they I think they reflect a lot of their world around them you know and i have to say you know <sighs> We live in an amazing country. We have generally, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of privileges that, that don't exist around the world. We, um, it's important to really have gratitude around that. And I think when you see, um, I'm all, I also live in, you know, this what I call the bubble, right? So I live in the eastern suburbs in in Bronte, and I look around at, at people driving, you know, four wheel drive, you know, luxury cars and this and that, and there's you know, kids going to private schools and blah, 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 living in expensive houses and whatever. I'm not throwing stones, but I do, I do see that they, they create a life that they think that's what success is or that's how they, they, you know, they kind of, they're the creator of their own life like that. You can become sort of unconscious through that. Um, and I think it's about bringing it back to what, really matters in your life and finding the true happiness. And it's not always about the material things or mm. keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. It's separating yourself from that and going, who am I really? Like all those tags, all those mm. things that I've, you know, accomplished and all those, um, that life that I, that you can create, you can get a bit lost in it. Mm. So potentially, you know, it's just, it's not, and going back to the sisterhood thing, it's, it's not anyone's fault. We're all just out there trying to do our bit and trying to sort of, you know, do our best for ourselves and everybody else. But you can lose, you can become a bit unconscious and just sort of fall into the... Totally. Just fall into it where you go, wow, it's all about this sort it's of manufactured the, world that we've created. And mm. but life is about so much more, more than, than that. that. It really so is. So us just like living living out our social conditioning really, isn't it? Yeah, it All the is. things that we've been told to yeah, get. Yeah. And it's very grabby energy. Yeah. Get, 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 get. Yeah, um, it, it's about acquiring. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I just came back from a trip to India and I've never seen uh, people with less uh, but people who are happier. And uh, there's a great learning in that. And it's not about – life's not about acquiring anything. It's just about – for me, it's just having a greater understanding and trying to find – I think trying to, fi trying to find the simplicity in life. And yeah. it's not about – if you live in that sort of sphere or it's just about getting more, if you think all that's going to make you happy, it's potentially not going to make you happy. Mm. It's going to make you quite unhappy because, yeah. you know, once you acquire this thing of whatever it is, let's say if you want a fast car or something or you want this and that and the other, you'll get there. You may get your fast car, but you're that unhappiness is still yeah. going to be, it's still in there. So yeah. you've really got to, um, you've got to kind of bring it back to yourself. And, and I think that's why, you know, 
with women, I think you've just got to go, you know, it's it's not their fault. Try not to sort of judge each other, mm. you know. If we can just stop the judgment because we're all basically the same. We're all the same. But all the same energy. We're all the same person. Yes. All you're doing is All yeah. you're doing is judging yourself. Self. So stop judging yourself and then you'll stop judging others. And that's a big theme, isn't it? Like, um, and I'll tell you, it took me a while to get around that theme of like, we are all it. It is us. We are it. Because mm. you say it and you're like, yeah, I get it. But then when you actually embody that and believe that, yeah, you start, you're in the world in like an entirely different way where you're like, you look at the cup and yeah. I start to freak out because I'm like, I'm kind of the cup. Yeah. yeah you, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, it's just like. We're energy. We're yes. all just energy. Everything Manifest around us form. is energy. Yeah. And we're all absolutely connected. And there's a, you know, there's a collective consciousness that mm. um, is experienced. And, um, you know, and that's why it's really important to, and that's why I think, you know, one of the reasons I meditate is because you you want to separate you from the collective around you and this this kind of world that we create. It's important to see that there's a mm. there's a bit of a separation in there. Mm. Um, and yeah, if we are we are all of the one. Yeah. So if it's you're really gonna expanding, yeah, if it's you, good though. If yeah. you're gonna have a go at anyone, you're really having a go, go at yourself. yourself. Oh, it's wild. It's good though. I shared with Deb how proud I am to be continuing my Self-Care Sundays partnership with Estee Lauder. She's a new ambassador for the brand, and I'm sure you'd already agree there's a lot we can learn from someone as wise as Deb, skincare included. But before that, I was curious to hear her Estee story. It's my belief we all have one. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because my mum years and years ago, and I must have been... 13 or 14, for Christmas she went and bought me the, uh, you know, the one, two, three. Steps. Step. <laughs> you know, cleanse, tone, moisturise. Can't fuck it up. <laughs> no, and, um, and that's, the, you know, when I think about it, it's my first introduction to going, okay, we're, you know, we're growing up here and we need to look after our skin. And, um, and I've always, and I think then I started modelling because obviously that's what I did when I was um, when I was sixteen, and it was all about looking after your skin, and and so it was actually a great gift back then. But it's um, but it just just in that teaching about you know the cleanse, toner, and moisturizer, that stayed with me. That has stayed with me for my entire life, and um, irregardless of when I was a, a bad girl and you know out all night and night clubbing and traveling the world and you know um I would still come home at whatever hour and I would still scrape off my face (laughs) (laughs) I would never I have never been to sleep without you know without cleaning my face and and putting some moisturizer oh you are good there were years there where I yeah like I just picture like yeah 16 year old Alison waking up with that mascara on her pillow yeah I know it's it's funny isn't it um but yeah it's just you know that certain things are just instilled in you you know it's it's one of those things it's like being punctual you know I learned at a very very young age that you turn up on time if not before time and Mm. I'm I start freaking out I'll text someone if I'm two minutes late I'm saying I'm I'm a couple of minutes late and then uh you know to the point where it's just um probably a bit silly, but I, I think that's one of the reasons that I'm still working because, yeah. because you know, it's like one of those things that you do, you respect other people's time. So that's, so yeah, you know, looking after your skin, you know, that's to me, it's just what you do. Yeah. You know, that's what you do. It's programmed so, in. Yeah, it is. On the time thing, we just had an interesting discussion before we started recording because I was telling you, 
you know, I'm in my fourth season and what I've learned is people are late. And so rather than me pay for that half an hour where we're just can't get it together and mm. and it's fine. I mean, I get it. That's I've also surrendered to it to go like that just is as it is and it's not the best use of my energy to be like disgruntled if people turn up late or, or whatever. And then there's a bit of a sort of meet and greet type scenario when we just get comfortable with each other and then by the time we're recording – it's half an hour, but you turned up on time and you're like, so we're going in? I'm like, oh, this hasn't <laughs> happened to me before. <laughs> oh, how funny you're in your fourth season. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know. There you go. That's listen, probably, I we need right. to we need to respect people's time now more so than any because mm. we have so – it's so valuable. I know. But it's you know? easier to communicate that you're running late and it's more acceptable so we do it. It's like that conditioned behaviour, isn't it? It's mm. like we accept from each other the text that says make it quarter past at the time you're supposed to arrive. Yeah, I don't. No, I just don't. I just, I just don't. What it's... do you do in those situations? If people are late with you, yeah, do you... I actually, I've been very fortunate because, um, you know, I, I had, um, you know, with I sat down and interviewed, you know, hundreds of people for for balance and I was always, because a lot of them are very professional and, um, you know, in a professional capacity, the business women, da, 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 da. And, um, and I have to say there was, if anyone was late, it would, there was some horrendous accident or something like that. They'd text and I'd go, yeah, that's no problem, you know, traffic. But it was actually a guy, it was one guy that was half an hour late and he wandered in with hardly any apologies. And I was like, you are kidding me. So it's, it's interesting. I just think if, in a, if you're, if you are a professional and you, you're, you know, you work, you're out there, you're, you're meeting people and doing stuff. Time is really, time is critical. And mm. I think it does come down to, to respect. respect. So I've been fortunate. And if someone's late, I usually get a text, like, okay, that's fair enough. But when it's like half an hour late, then I just get pissed off. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I will absolutely I'll probably yeah. say something. Say something. Oh, well, better to say it than then, sit there and just grumble about it to yourself. Really. I guess that's <laughs> anyway. the thing is we do, we do show people what we'll um, tolerate, don't we? And you might, you know, obviously because you have um, – because you're so on time, people, I think, would meet you there. That's what yeah. I'm getting from that. Maybe because I put the energy out there. and Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. 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 No, I think that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, can we talk about beauty routines? Of course. Um, I'd like to know how yours have changed and evolved. So let's. So we've got the step one, two, three. Yeah, when yeah. We're 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as you've sort of moved into new chapters and new decades, mm. and how has your – how have your routines um, evolved? I just feel like for me, I'm putting more and more on now. It's like yeah, it's funny. I, I, you know, I had a problematic skin when I was younger. I mean, who doesn't have you know? You're going through puberty and you've you know you've 16. I remember I used to having really you know um, problematic skin, and I and so I, I've been through a point where I used years and years ago. There was this particular line that was all about. Um, I think it was the first organics or whatever that was, I'm talking about, you know, decades ago. And I remember using it religiously and cleaning up my skin. I thought, great, that's great. And then I went through a period of time where I started to make um, 
you know, I was earning quite good money and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go out and buy the most expensive stuff I can. And uh, and I remember doing all that and I was every sort of cream, I had, you know, 15 creams I was applying in every different corner of my face. And then my face, I really just got completely overloaded and it was like, okay, that's not working for me. You know, so you go through this journey of, 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 of you know, really clean stuff and then heavy and whatever. Um, and then you want to be, keep it really simple. So I've been through that stage as well. I just think, I just want Literally, just give me a moisturizer, night day and an eye cream, you know, whatever. Um, but when you get older and, I, and, and you know, I'm late 50s now, a um, number of years ago, I was like, I just was exposed to active, um, you know, getting really working on active ingredients and going, okay, I'm getting older. My skin is absolutely changing and I know that I need more, absolutely need more. And I, you know, and I can't afford, I want to keep it simple, but I don't. I just want something that's easy. And that's the whole thing. If you actually find a process that's easy and products that work for you and um, and they're not too arduous and they feel good, then you will continue to, to do the routine. So these days, I mean, I, you know, the thing that you'll experience when you get older is probably the massive thing is dehydration. And my mm-hmm. skin is always, it always, um, you know, if I go and have a facial, I just have areas that I just know are, um, you know, you just don't have the moisture in your skin that you used to. So it's really important to find products that, that marry that, that you can kind of look at where there's this deficits and go, what do I need? Well, I definitely need hydration. And, you know, your skin tone becomes uneven and there's pigmentation and, and yes, there's the lines. You know, I quite like my lines, but, you know, because they keep appearing, so I'm not going to fight them. But I go, okay, I just want to um, have a really good skincare routine that 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 really answers all those sort of problematic areas for me. Mm. So, you know, um, so what I do, I suppose you want to know what I do. So in, you mentioned Estee Lauder, but they've got this beautiful advanced night um, repair, which is a serum, and it's it's beautiful to put on. It's, it's mm. um, It just absorbs really quickly. Um, and I find that, you know, when you've got that on and you add a sort of a um, – you put the moisturiser on top, I put an eye cream on. So I really have this lovely barrier. Um, when I go to sleep, it's really important that I – that I I can feel it, mm. and when I wake up in the morning, my it's just this this feeling that I'm not waking up with this dry face. I'm waking up feeling it's just sort of stronger mm. um, and not too oily as well. Because that's not, the other thing is you know no, sometimes if products are heavier, you wake up and it's almost like yeah no yeah, tacky no on and your, you know on your even going to sleep on your pillow and stuff like that. No, it absorbs really beautifully and it just feels it feels beautiful on the skin, and you just know that it's it's doing mm. it good and it's such a great product. It's been out there for a long time. Mm. Um, so I use it morning and night. I know it's advanced night repair, but <laughs> I don't know. They should just take the night out because it's basically advanced repair, you know, um, and serum. And on my neck, I'm like oh, yeah. obsessed with it on my neck. Yeah. And then I got a tip from, um, well, it was from Nadia Fairfax who got it from Eleanor Pendleton who are also ambassadors for the brand and to put advanced night repair on before an event under foundation. Mm. Because I often find that it's when I'm in a work scenario where my skin has too much foundation on that I just start to get really yeah. dry. But I tried it and I was like, I am like this glowing yeah. goddess. And it's one of those things where people Better say, Better than like, a primer. What are you using? Yeah. Well, yeah. primer dries me out yeah. um, quite a bit. But I will share with you, you know, we hear a lot about um, different products and where um, with social media, like there's every other person is promoting something. I've been really cautious about that and who I kind of advocate for, I guess, and I know you're really similar. Mm. Um, fussy 
I yes. guess might be a good word for it. Um, and that I only talk about things I actually use. And I had a couple of close girlfriends who listened to the last episodes and they bought A&R. And I don't know what they were expecting, but they texted me and they said, this is actually really good. And I was like, who do you think I am <laughs> that I would like, you know, um, promote something that I don't believe in? But one of them had, and I've still got the photos in my phone, quite intense um, acne on one side of her face. It was obviously oh. some sort of bacterial right. infection that just kept coming back and she was scarring. And she bought it right before she went to, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing, um, right before she went to Greece. And she mm. thought, stuff it, I'm going to try this. I've tried everything else. And she used it morning and night for mm. the two weeks that she was away. And when she came back, she sent me the after picture. Mm. And it was profound, like it was healed. Yeah, wonderful. And she said just the overall yeah. um, texture, texture of yeah, her skin. Yeah. It that's works. What, yeah, that's what I've that's noticed. That's why it's so culty. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing is when your skin sort of, you know, is, is ageing, um, you can see that your texture changes and your pores are more, you know. So you want to kind of keep it refined and, and, and try to sort of – for me, I, it's all about um, – uh, a bit of prevention, but also just maintenance. Yeah. You know, it's really what it is. I try and hang on to it. That's why I've always looked after my skin. Well, I was going to ask you about like young Deb. Yeah. Beyond sunscreen. Mm. I know we all wish we wore more sunscreen. Yeah. Is there anything else you would say to her now, like in terms of skincare and taking care of your oh my skin? God, it's all about the sun. Mm. I just, I was bad. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't know any better. That's the other thing. Like, no, but there was I had this... the baby oil on the body and I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's really bad and I can see it now. And I, I've had, you know, three skin cancers, one which was quite invasive. So I've had a huge chunk taken out of my face. Really? Yeah, I've got a scar that runs from my nose down to my lip and down to my chin um, from a an invasive um, BCC that had to come out and I had a, a good, you know, solid thumb size skin flap um, removed. So, wow. and I still now, so I, I go and see dermatologists, um, you know, Every if I see something, I'm straight in, but without a doubt, every year. But I've had numerous skin cancers. My entire family is riddled with skin cancer, so I am. You know, I wish I could say, Deb, you're a bloody idiot. Mm. Like, get out of the sun, um, because yeah, absolutely, we we wore. You know, we we wore getting burnt and and being red as as a as a sign of you know we wore like a trophy wow. you know the, the, my first peel wow the first peel of, of summer how excited i'm really burnt and my skin's peeling wow okay that's done now i'm seasoned it's I've almost got my like base tan yeah it's like seasoning a bloody chook and you know go yep done that peeled and let's go for summer and I mean, I used to live in the inner west and catch two buses to Bondi Beach and just go and lie there and put, as you say, baby oil or anything that was coconut oil or something and just bake. Yeah. And it was just, oh, my God. Literally and, like rotisserie chooks. Yeah, it's we awful. Yeah. And, I, and I see it now. I see the damage. And I'll go and see a dermatologist and she'll just roll her eyes and she'll just roll her eyes at me and go, oh, my God. But, you know, look, it's, it's a challenge because obviously I'm, you know, I'm always covering myself up. But I play golf, right? So mm. I'm out in the sun for, that's a good, you know, five hours, once a week. I train at Bondi Icebergs and there's a fantastic gym down there. It's out on the platform, so we're training. Mind you, it's early, it's 6am in the morning, but still, mm. you're outdoors. So, you know, walking dogs, all sorts of things, you're out there. Totally. So I, you know, I don't leave the house. I've sort of, I've got, you know, um, SPF on me 
all the time. All the time. <laughs> but I'm still, you know, I just know I've got I've got the rest of my life. I will be looking, going, shit, I hope that's not what I think it is. And so there's a paranoia that I live with now. Yeah. But that's okay. I'd rather be paranoid than um than sitting there and again it's prevention. I, I mm. did something before I came here this morning where I I've um, instigated a really lovely brand partnership with Chris O'Brien Lifehouse, which is the um, cancer hospital and cancer treatment centre, um, not-for-profit, amazing hospital in Marrickville with the Sydney Swans. So, because um, they're my team and I'm an ambassador for them. So I bought the Swannies together with Chris O'Brien and there I've organised all the dermatologists to come out and do the entire team, all the coaches, everyone who works with the Swans as part of Skin Cancer Week, which is this week. And uh, it's about spreading. It's all about prevention and getting your skin checked mm. because I'm. that's one of my things. I'm so – that's what I just say to people because I'm living, I'm living it. So I can yeah. say to anyone who's young and there's still girls out there now baking themselves at the beach. Oh, I want to run over to them in Bondi. I want to cover their faces. Yeah. At least put a towel on your face. I know. Like, but when they're face up to the sun and body up, I'm like, oh, oh doll. Oh, God. But like, bit, okay, so I'm lying there at 16 on the beach, right? And some, some, some person is going to come over to me and I go, you rack off. Totally. That's what I'm doing. I would like to use this as an opportunity to advocate for another skincare awareness not-for-profit, Call Time or Melanoma. Check it out on Instagram. This Estee Lauder Self-Care Sundays partnership exists to encourage us to own the power of the night and, in turn, the health of our skin. Many of us take our nighttime routines extremely seriously, so let's commit to the same when it comes to wearing sunscreen every single day. Well, um, you know, from me and I'm sure everyone listening, thank you for being an advocate for that and and doing that work because when you've had a personal experience, yeah. you 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 have to you have to do mm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go back to your routine. Mm. I would love you to describe your perfect evening at home and how you sort of prepare yourself for a good night's sleep. Okay, cool. Um, Well, first and foremost, I'm a huge advocate of infrared saunas. Oh, nice. And I was very fortunate that when I finished building my house last year, um, I could actually put one um, outside. So I've kind of create a bit of a retreat at home. Oh, this sounds incredible. Yeah. So I've got a, a beautiful infrared sauna, sunlight and infrared sauna. I don't know if you know how that works, but it works on a cellular, cellular level and mm. it's not about, um, it's not about, it's not a wet sauna, it's a dry sauna. And um, so it, it works, you know, detoxing and whatnot. So I would have a half hour sauna. You come out of there feeling so amazing and it gets quite hot in temperature up to 60 degrees, but it's brilliant. Come out, have a warm shower. I mean, you feel so cleansed. Mm. And, um, and then I, you know, I love, um, you know, I suppose for me, every other every week I sort of do a bit of exfoliant. I love products that I can use in the shower. Mm. So um, you know, exfoliate my face and then go through my you know my night routine, putting beautiful you know, as we talked about advanced night repair serum, getting my face beautifully hydrated. Um, for me, it's always about I have this beautiful chamomile vanilla tea. So mm. I'm really conscious of. Um, you know, I try not to drink during the week because I know it's going to upset my sleep. So um, I will definitely always have a chamomile tea. Anything I can do, dim the lights we talked about, um, and reading. And if I and just get off, I don't watch a lot of TV. It's 
funny for a woman who works on TV. Yes, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV. Occasionally I'll sort of get into a series and I'll binge watch something, but during the day. So, and and I suppose it's just setting the scene. I love incense is always burning or I might have a beautiful scented candle. Um, there's a friend of mine in London that sent me this beautiful um, air diffuser and it's got a sleep oil. So I put a sleep oil in it that just permeates through the bedroom and it's oh, nice. beautiful. Oh my God, your house sounds like a retreat. It is. I've created it like that. I really have because I've always been a really shit sleeper. Mm. So I've just learnt that there's a certain routine and if I can kind of stick to it, uh, the benefits pay off because sleep's such an important thing, particularly as you get older, it becomes slightly more challenging. So mm. I just think all these little things that I do, these triggers, just lets the body know, okay, we're getting into sleep mode. Yes. And that's it. I, you know, crawl into bed. I've got beautiful linen sheets and, you know, I, um, yeah, I just try and sort of keep it like, like that. Yes. They're just things that I think are, they're little things, but they actually add up to, mm. to, uh, it's a it's a, these sleep patterns. If you can try and have a a protocol like that, then it's uh, it definitely helps. Nice. I mean, it's very different to like if I think about my publishing years. Get home at eight or eight thirty. Smash two glasses of red wine. <laughs> eat a heavy bowl of pasta. Answer my emails. <laughs> answer a brief. Listen, that's that still happens. Can I yeah. tell you, I'm not I'm not the princess here. I, I absolutely there's times I have a very strong social life, so there's absolutely times I'll come back. That's my ultimate. ultimate. I've yeah, just yeah, described you a night. So you know, I would might get um, if I could line up like if I had three of those a week, I'd be flying. Yeah, nice. nothing. Absolutely, the red wine, catching up with mates. You know, yeah. you do that, you come home, yeah. you think okay. But it's interesting though for people listening to sort of like I think it's always nice when we can compare routines in a way. That's like you've just mentioned at least five things that people could even add on yeah. to that. Like I'm working really hard on the screen time because I feel mm. just overwhelmed with my workload. And yeah. if I don't spend time working at night, I literally yeah. – and you know when you work for yourself, if you're not responding to people, that's where the opportunities are. So I'm trying to think about that and that's why I tried that red screen last mm. night, which mm. was a bit weird. But um, I'm going to send you the settings for it so you can yeah, cool. give it a go. Yeah, but social media, I've um, I find myself being um, kind of shying away from it more and more. Mm. I find it really, um, it just doesn't vibe me, and I'm spending less time, um, you know, um, looking at social media. I just don't. I, you know, the way I've been set up, I only really use Instagram. It feeds through to Facebook and whatnot. But, but I don't sit there. I just. It's interesting, maybe through the meditation, mm. I just don't really need to know what everybody's doing. doing. I just don't. Because you know exactly who you are at the deepest, truest part of yourself. Yeah, I just it's don't. It's expand. It, yeah, so that's one of the things I say when you when you actually immerse yourself in meditation uh, and TM, I think you just, things become irrelevant mm. and you lose your relevancies. Mm. And, uh, and it's one of the things that I'm just finding I'm just doing less and less of. And there's a there's a piece around that that's really nice. So no, sure, I miss out on things. I find out, you know, if there's someone's birthday, I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. I'm experiencing the exact same thing, and I guess where it starts to become a little polarizing is putting the space between my creativity and the platforms it might live on. But still having to have a deep understanding of those platforms and yeah. how people are interacting in order sure. for my work to resonate. Yeah, yeah. But then my very best work is happening way on the other side mm. when I'm disengaged from that feed. You yeah. know, it's a balance. Um, 
And it is. And mm. I'm learning about that as well of like when I'm on social media, being very intentionally there and also just the curation of the feed so that when I am there, it's quite inspiring. And I yeah. feel like I'm learning, yeah. not just mindlessly scrolling. Yeah. Um, it's a great segue. My next question was about meditation. Right. Or And so you learned transcendental. Yeah. Tea and transcendental meditation back in 2013. Yeah. Who did you learn under? Um, guy called um, Matt Ringrose. I'm, I learned under Matt. Yeah. We have the same teacher. Yeah, well, I don't see him anymore. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I, I ran into somebody else um, that uh, is also around the same area, Andrew Marsh. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. up in North Bondi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so not that he's my teacher, but I do group with him and a bunch of people. Yeah. And um, I like his teacher. He's so kind of real and... You know, he used to be a winemaker and he's been meditating for, you know, 20 plus years or whatever. But he's just, there's a, I don't know, there's just a really lovely connection. Um, and that's all it's about, isn't it? It's yeah. It's like that resonance, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And also I think if you, if you, um, and I try and do group where we just, we call satsongs. So sit down and just talk about things that come up in life and just remind you of the benefits of why you meditate and just how things are evolving because your life obviously evolves when you do. Mm. And uh, it's one of the best things you could ever do. But it changed when I – because transcendental meditation requires 20, 20 minutes twice a day and I've always found the afternoon one or the evening one really difficult mm, me until too. about a year ago and I just really understood – um, actually through Marshy, I just understood the power of when it kicks in and when you do tw twice a day. So I, I have to make it like an appointment. I have to go, okay, what is a, what have I got on today? And I will look and go, okay, so I've got time to do it between three and four or I'm not going to have time until five or whatever, whatever. So I try yeah, – I've made it really, really important to do that. Mm. And – the benefits are extraordinary. I, I It's kind of hard to describe, I find, sometimes without wanting to be like meditation pushing. You know what I mean? Like mm. I'm very conscious of when I'm talking about it. But do you find it's hard to describe the benefits in their totality? Like it's almost like a feeling. Yeah. I, there's a... It's a clarity that I have now that um, that I didn't really possess. I've a friend of mine I didn't know, but she always my, my nickname to her, but I, but I found out through another one that she used to call me Frantic. That was one of my nicknames, Frantic. Um, and there's kind of an energy that I've always had, which is like, got to get here, got to do that, you know, sort of an impatience and whatnot. Um, so I'm, I know I can feel that I've, I'm less frantic. Um, I breathe more. I'm not, um, I'm not in a hurry to get um, looking. I'm not always looking ahead as much. The whole thing about being present and, and being, you know, like I'm here with you now chatting. My mind's not what's happening in a minute or mm. where I'm going to. It's like I'm just here. And I think the benefit of being fully present with whatever you're doing um, has untold benefits because you're living very much in the now. Mm. Um, and it's one of the best books that I've ever read is The Power of Now, yeah. Eckhart Tolle. It's one of the best books anyone could ever read because it just – it puts you in a place where you have a greater understanding about who you are, where you are, the importance mm. of life and trying to live a happier, more simple existence mm. and the benefits of that. And so having a greater understanding and then – and just – it was an effort to to really get into TM. Mm. 
But once you've actually been doing it for a while, it's not an effort. I actually think it would be really hard not to meditate. Agree. You know, I think it would be really difficult. And I think if I say to anyone who's listening, if they're thinking trying it, I absolutely encourage you to do that. But just try and stick to it because the, you will be mind blown mm. by how you feel if you just just stick Stay to there. it and just yeah. and people will say I don't have time for it. Well, make the time. Mm. I, I get up early. I get up at five so to meditate beforehand so I can do train or do whatever Pilates or whatever at six. Yeah. And that's a choice. That's a preference for me to and I'm one of those people that you know, I say, oh, my God, I'm not going to eat up before 6 a.m., but I, I do now and I'm thankful for it. Mm. It and just sets up your day in the most useful It really does. Day, it really it? does. Yeah. And the um, – and I had that too and some days I still have that. It's it's our um, mistaken intellect, isn't it, like resisting this thing that's actually helping us because mm. the more we do it, the less control it has and all it wants is control. <laughs> so I'm constantly still in that battle. I mean, I'm – nearly a year meditating. So for like the first six months, I was it was chunky for me. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was at times very deep in it and then I'd get busy and my ambition would take over mm. the practice. People you know? think you're supposed to sit there and not think of anything. That's, yeah. that's not going to happen. Meditation's no. not that. Meditation is purely the setup and, and, and knowing that you're just going to just take that time just to try and – and the thing about TM is that it's, it's – you're not listening to a guided meditation. You're given a mantra mm. and uh, it's just for you to know and you just prefer to just sort of just say the mantra slowly and sometimes you obviously your mind's going to go to thoughts. They're going to come up. You go, okay, fair enough. And then you Let's just have, go yeah. back to yeah. go back to your mantra. So you're not torturing yourself going, oh, my God, I need to meditate thinking, and, you yeah. know, I'm focusing. It's not that. It's just letting it be. Mm, and the thoughts yeah. as if I now identify them as stress release, I'm like, come on then. Yeah, bring get it on. Get thinking. Just like, get rid of it. Yeah, it becomes yeah. irrelevant. So it just lets them go like little bubbles. So it's really, I think if you really understand the science behind it, because there is, it is a science, uh, if you have a greater understanding of how it works, then I think you become more committed to mm. it. But it's a beautiful practice. It's a really, really lovely thing to do. And it ju I just feel that I'm just in, I'm a better person for it. Me too. I really am. I'm more, um, just more, I don't know, I, I do a gratefulness practice after every, every meditation and just put intent around things and think about the things that are, I'm really grateful for in my life. And I do that. And I think what it does is it just, it just makes me a better person and makes me much more aware of the gifts that surround me, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a beautiful way to oh, live. So nice. Well, on that sort of Vedic view, um, what comes up for me is Dharma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we really westernise it, we could call Dharma our purpose, but of course it's much more than that. Um, has meditating changed where you put your energy in terms of, I guess, your profession? Like if I think about your partnership with Estee Lauder and the ambassadorship you've got with the Swans and advocating for skin cancer, do you think it's given you that clarity of where to put your energy? Look, I think... What it does is it, it sorts out the wheat from the chaff. It's an old country term, but it, it definitely, you want to align things with with a purpose. Mm. And I feel I've done that. I've always done that to some extent through all the partnerships that I've had. And I think about I only have ever aligned myself with brands in the past that uh, I generally have an affiliation with or, or I really uh, can see the value in it. I mean, I think about, you know, I was with 
Qantas for 14 years. I've, I was holding cars, all sorts of things that I that I think, okay, um, I really generally loved that product. And so I only ever associate myself with brands that I have an affiliation with and that I absolutely see the same values and I, and I would use the product. If it's never really been about just the money, I don't, I've said no to so many things because mm. I don't agree with what they do or it's just not genuine and I can't honestly put my voice and face to something that I don't believe in. Yeah. So I suppose, you know, it's um, through meditating, uh, things become very clear. As I said, you get a clarity and it, and it is a thing that whether in a work environment or or people or circumstances, um things that just come up in life, uh, it it helps me position my role in yes. that for sure. Yeah. You know, and look, I'm very privileged. I've always been in a very privileged position and, and I feel that now. And yes, I'm doing some beautiful work with Estee Lauder and, and, and I think if I can actually say, look, I'm about to turn 58, I look like this, I don't ever want to have a facelift. I'm not interested. It's all about preserving what you've got and being the best that you can be. So whether that's talking about skincare and beautiful skincare products or whether it's about looking after yourself and doing Pilates or whether it's about emotionally looking after yourself through meditation or just living with true purpose mm. is um, and mindful purpose is a really beautiful way to live. Mm. So, um, so I think, you know, Again, I go back to clarity and just going, okay, where can I be of service? How can yeah. I talk to people about things that matter? That matter. And maybe yeah. that's, you know, whether I'm talking about getting your skin checked or talking about just preserving what you've got and, and loving who you are. So love the skin you're in. You know, it's mm. that, that thing where you um, where you're really um, just looking after yourself and, and finding different causes that mean something to you. Mm. Is, uh, is really important. Sounds very dharmic to me. <laughs> um, I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, one, I I don't know how open you are to sharing and, you know, as much as you are, but I wondered if you could tell us what you've learned about surviving loss and navigating grief. I think for a lot of women listening, you know, you went to your 30s, and not to say everyone's in their 30s, but we start to lose important people in our lives mm-hmm. and um, and just experience loss ourselves and what have you learned through sort of surviving that? Oh, we all have loss. Um, we live with it or we we can expect it. Look, it's a life experience that you can't avoid. I sadly lost two brothers within the space of 12 months. Um, and um, as I mentioned earlier, I've got two beautiful nephews. But, you know, I... Uh, I feel sorry for mum because she's lost two two sons. Um, and look, I, there's not a day that goes past where I don't put them in my mind and I, th- I think about them and wish them love because I know that they're still surrounding me. Um, you, and I lost probably one of my, my greatest loves ever was my dog, Billy, because oh. um, I don't have kids. So I was, she was the love of my life, uh, just best animal ever. And, and losing her was was really tough. So the thing that I've learned is that you never don't get over grief. You don't, and don't pursue it to get over it and park it behind you. You just live with it and you've got to have a relationship with grief. Um, 
And it's something that just becomes a part of you. People that uh, try to get over it and not talk about it or put it behind them and go, yeah, you know, that was then and I've moved on or whatever. You don't. The best thing you could ever do is just to sit in it and and understand that that becomes uh, a really important part of who you are because you – I look back and I go how beautiful and how grateful I was to have my beautiful brothers for that time and, you know, Billy for the for the years that I had her and how that shaped me and I think – and I – but that's a part of me. I, I You know, you kind of grow into it where you just have that beautiful love and it's turned – that grief has turned into a, a gratitude of, of, of love that it's just – it's part of me. So don't, if I can Beautiful. say to anything, don't, don't get over it. Just sit in Stay it. Stay with it. Stay with it. And I've got photographs of, you know, them and I, and yeah, for you, um, you know, Billy's been gone now for a couple of years and I, I, I cried. I cried for, I still cry. So it still brings me to tears, mm. but that's. But that's beautiful because that's experiencing. Yeah. That energy is still around you. So, that, mm. yeah, so keep them a part of you. That's really nice. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Um, I have a final question that I ask each of my guests. And this is what I was saying to you. It's amazing that you haven't listened because now I get to <laughs> surprise you with it because <laughs> a lot of other people know it's coming. All right, okay. Um, offline exists as an exploration of self. And a shedding of the labels. And as a meditator, I know that you're very well versed with what it means to step outside of being externally referenced and what you call yourself and living through your achievements. Um, When you're sitting in true self, without all of those labels and all of your stories, who are you and, um, and what comes up for you when I ask that question? I think the important part of that is the realization that I am not all those labels. <laughs> that, if you can actually understand that, that's one of the greatest takeaways anyone w- will ever take on as a gift because everyone thinks that they are. You know, um, who's Deb Hutton? You know, because oh, if I ask, if someone meets me, they go, oh, so they might have watched Ando or read a few things or whatever. And they go, oh, so she's this, that and the other and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So for me... Meditating has allowed me to really understand that I'm not those, I'm not those labels. They are are part of me and I can put them on and take them off. But I like, I like parking all those labels. I like parking the Deb Hutton. You know, my name, I was born Deborah Ann Haylock, but Hutton's not even my real name. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was given – I changed my name at 16 when I walked into Vivian's modelling agency. She changed it because she didn't think that my name was going to help with my career. So I changed it. So I, I go, you know what? I'm gonna, and I used to be called Debbie and I hate being called Debbie, which is why I'm either Deb or Deborah. But I go – so I sit there sometimes and I'll, I have a mate of mine that um, says, you know what, Debbie Haylock. And I go, oh, my God, that's right. That was the girl. Wow. That was the girl, you know, who was 15 who wanted to be somebody else. She wanted to be become Deborah Hutton and whatever that meant. So I suppose to me I – can see the separation and I sit there and I go, you know what, I'm just, I'm still that girl. I'm still a very simple girl who's had an extraordinary life and full of experiences. But when I sit there, I'm still vulnerable. I'm, you know, I'm still learning. 
Um, I'm still a very young soul um, who um, can be hurt and um, and who's and who's just there and just wants to just wants to be loved. And you know, it plays out in a, in so many ways, and it plays out through Deborah Hutton. You know, the thing about being accepted and the need to be accepted and whatnot. But when I sit back in true self. You know, I can see the vulnerabilities there and, and why I've created all these labels to help protect me. Mm. So to sit there in its rawness and in my rawness, um, I found that through meditating. And um, and I'm very honest with myself and when I feel different emotions or I'm sad or, 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 or feel, you know, different things that come up, I just, I just go, okay, that's just, that's just, that's that young girl. So within myself, that's kind of, yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah, that's sort of who I am. Mm. So I reckon we can safely say you listen to this conversation, we both think you should use ANR and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> Look after your skin. Secrets to life. Absolutely. Yeah. Meditate and just, um, and just yeah, just enjoy, enjoy life and being there now and just be with, if you're going to be with someone, then just be with them for that moment mm. and stop skipping ahead. Just mm. bring it back to now. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. That Thank was incredible. That's gorgeous. It's beautiful to chat to you, Alison. Wishing you all the success. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. You can find more episodes at offlinethepodcast.com or by subscribing wherever you like to listen. Original music by Darren Lake, produced by Podpaste. One last thing. If you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. <laughs>